We're kind of coming to a little end of a section here in Luke where um, Luke has grouped a bunch of teachings of Jesus and he's bringing it home to the disciples and he lands this little section. But as we start off, the two stories, there's a couple of stories there and the first one is this idea of a lamp or a light which is put under, not to be put under the bed. And this is quite an obvious story if you've ever had a lamp. You don't put it under a bed, or I don't, unless you're one of my children, then you might put everything under the bed. <laughs> this is a very, I mean, as shout out to all the dads who can relate to this part of the story. It's, you know, have you ever had, this is a particularly dad thing to do, please turn off all the lights. If you're not in the bedroom, if you're not using them, turn the lights off. Yeah, I'm getting some nods out. Anyone had a dad like it? If the lights, if the lights been left on and you're out, just turn it off, Okay. And you can imagine in a first century context, oil, I don't think it was cheap as electricity. And there's dads, you know, stop burning the oil. If, you, if you're going to put it under the bed, just turn it out rather. We don't need these lamps on all night. And take it out from under the bed along with whatever's under there, chip packets, shoes, lost items. Just clean out under the bed, all right? So I think dads can relate to this story quite easily. Turn out the lights when you're not using them. But Jesus is saying... An obvious thing, when you do have a light on, it's not to be hidden. It's to light the room. And so he says, no one, after lighting the lamp, covers it up or puts it underneath the jar. It's an obvious statement in some ways. And why is he saying this? He might be, in some way, correcting a little bit of what's just happened in the previous uh, story, where Jesus is preaching uh, in parables and then he says, uh, he quotes Isaiah and he says, that it's forever, they're always hearing but never actually hearing. They're always not perceiving what's actually going on. So he's saying there's something that their hearts are hardened and they're not receiving this gospel. And so, but he's saying, but don't let that be confused with that the gospel is some kind of mystery that no one can find. He says this gospel needs to be brought out and it's to be put out as a light. It needs to shine out. In fact, at the resurrection, Jesus says, after his resurrection, he says, go into all the world and preach this gospel. And so the gospel isn't something that's hidden in the sense of it mustn't be brought out. The gospel is something that must be lifted up and uh, uh, proclaimed. And that's what he's kind of trying to get through to the disciples here, I think, in this analogy. This gospel is not to be remain hidden, but this message of Jesus is to be heard. It is to be a light into the world. The gospel must shine into the world. Go and preach the gospel to the whole world. The veiled earthly ministry of Jesus, it was veiled in some ways, and you might want to think of that as the scholarly terms judicial hardening may have occurred. <laughs> we won't go too far into that, but what it, what it means is that like with Pharaoh, Pharaoh hardened his heart, the Bible said, but God also hardened his heart, and it was so that his glory could be revealed. The purposes of God could come out in, in God saving a people. The same with Jesus. The cross was the purpose of God. And so there was a kind of hiding in the Pharisees who eventually would kill Jesus and draw him in, and they are uh, against Jesus. Their own hearts are hard, and there is a, maybe a judicial hardening going on. But the point is, the veiled ministry of Jesus is now is going to be exalted. It's going to be seen for all the world. This message, this gospel, is going to shine into all the world. This gospel is being announced, and this gospel changes everything. This is more than a little lamp that lights up a room. 
This is the good news that changes everything. It's not a light. This is the ultimate lamp, the light of the world. This is the message of true love. This is the message of redemption. This is the message of freedom from death. What a light. This is the message of freedom from sin. What a gospel. This is the message of eternal life. This is the message of humanity knowing God. This is an invitation into God's family. This is the light of the world. And Jesus says that there is nothing that is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be made known and come into the light. Everything will come into the light of this gospel. There is nothing that can hide from this gospel. This gospel is being made manifest and is coming into light. What is the light? It is the gospel of Jesus. It is the message of Jesus. What is his message? We'll look at that in a minute, but this light is that message. Not only is it that message, but Jesus said of himself, I am the light of the world. The person of Jesus is the light of the world. He came in to bring light into the world. We have no light without him. There is only darkness apart from Jesus. Isaiah says it this way, that the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in deep darkness, on them the light has shone. For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given. Cheryl read this scripture two weeks ago. The government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government there shall be no end. The increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. This light will increase. This kingdom will shine and shine and shine until it shines upon all creation, on all things. This is a gospel that is to go out into all the world. Of the increase of his government, there will be no end. And on the throne of David and his kingdom, it will be established. And he will uphold justice and righteousness. Justice and righteousness only comes through Jesus. Everything else is darkness from this time forth and forevermore, eternally. Eternally, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. Isaiah says this kingdom is an ever-increasing kingdom which grows and grows and grows. And it is God who will accomplish it. Do you know that there's no political solution to light up the world? You can't get politics to do it. You can try. Jesus is the light of the world. There is only Jesus. Psalm 2 puts it like this. Why do the nations rage? Why do they conspire together? They plot against the Lord. They make their plans. All the nations. And it says the one sitting in heaven laughs. <laughs> is this a joke? Michael, the archangel, come have a look. The plans of men are happening again. <laughs> Come, come have a look at this. This is another good one. <laughs> he literally laughs, the Bible says, at the plans of all the nations conspiring together. And the nations say, let us throw off the shackles, these gods, these burdens. The gods are burdened. We'll get rid of him. God says, I put my king on my holy hill. Yeah. 
Jesus. He is my son whom I've begotten. And all you nations will worship him. He is the light of the world. Anyone who trusts in him will find rest. This is the light. Jesus is the light of the world. There is no other light. There is no political solution. All things will serve this king. The Romans maybe thought they were doing a good job. Their roads were built so that Paul could reach the known world with the gospel. That's how it works. Rome's long gone. Maybe you think there's a nation like America who went, was started out of religious freedom to glorify God, and that was wonderful. They're still not the hope of the world. Maybe they'll pass away. Maybe there's millions who are getting saved in Africa, I don't know, Asia, China, India. Maybe, maybe a massive gospel revival is going to happen there, and they will, the light will shine from them. God doesn't need political systems or nations. He is the light of His purpose. He's working things out. He's laughing at the plans of men because his king is installed upon Zion and will rule forever. The increase of his government, there will be no end. There will be no end. We preach Jesus. We hold out this light as the only hope for humanity. When compared to the light of Jesus, everything else is actually darkness. Politics, science, psychology, Sorry, I'm stepping on a few toes. Let me keep going. You teachers, carpenters, not the light of the world. Baristas, you're not the light of the world. Entrepreneurs, engineers, all the inventions of man, you're not the light of the world. (laughs) Nothing that man invents is the light of the world. Sorry, Thomas Edison invented the light bulb. Only Jesus is the light of the world. I'm not against all those things. Many Christians were at the forefront of nursing and medicine and education, but they're not the light of the world. Without him, there's only darkness. His words light up the darkness. Without him, we could never see. His word alone is a lamp to our feet. And what will you do with this light? What will you do with this light? You cannot outrun it. And now it is proclaimed to you, Jesus, light of the world. Or do you love the darkness more? Which Romans says. We reject God's light because we love the darkness more, Romans says. What will you do with this light? Well, I'm glad you asked. Jesus presses upon his disciples what's something that they can do in this regard. And it's the next verse, verse 18, where he says, Take care then how you hear. After he said, I am the light, showing him that the light is going to be on a hill, exalted, lifted up. Take care then how you hear. How you hear. That's an interesting idea. If you've heard something, haven't you heard it? Take care how you hear. There's a few examples of this. Husbands of often and their wives can experience this. <laughs> Maybe a husband says, I'm going to give the kids bacon and eggs for dinner tonight. And then later on, the wife says, why didn't you give the kids vegetables? I don't know where this example comes from. but <laughs> Well, you didn't hear what I said. I said I was giving them bacon and eggs. You heard, but you never listened. Oh. <laughs> 
<laughs> it can happen the other way around. Maybe a, maybe a husband has done um, <laughs> four loads of washing. And then, and then, and then the wife, put, the wife puts on another load. It's already late at night. Well, why are we still doing this? And the wife says, "Honey, I put a load of washing on. Can you just make sure you take it out?" And yes, yes, dear. And then later on, it's discovered that the washing is still in the washing machine. It's because you heard, but you didn't listen. All right? That's a little too close to home, but something. <laughs> Jesus says, be careful how you hear, because you can hear and sort of ignore or misunderstand or just absolutely not hear at all. Even though you heard words, something audible came into your ear, but nothing happened in the heart. <laughs> Take care then hear how you hear. You can be listening, but not hearing. Jesus is bringing home the point of this story, and so is Luke in the way he's putting all these together. And even the last little section where he talks about Mary and uh, the brothers coming to one, he says, uh, those who hear God's word are my family. So this whole little section, Jesus is emphasizing the importance of hearing God's word, which was the parable Mark preached last week, and how Luke is constructing his gospel. For the context, we see here this, this parable was spoken to the crowd. So there's a large crowd who's following Jesus. They are swarming around Jesus to hear his word. And then it's also spoken clearly and directly to the disciples. When Jesus says, in Mark, it says they were actually alone. And Jesus speaks to him, says, explains the parable, and he says, this light is the light that's put on a, not put under a bed. And now, you guys, be careful how you hear. Directly addresses the disciples, be careful how you hear. The point of the parables is always one big point. They're not theological documents. There's one strong point which Jesus is normally bringing home. And the point of this one is, be careful how you hear. Be careful to hear this gospel. Pay attention. And so I want to think for a moment about the big crowd context. Jesus has a massive audience, a massive crowd. He's got the biggest conference going around. Uh, Credo BC 2, right? <laughs> massive. The crowds are swarming. And he addresses the parable to them. Be careful how you hear. He's got the most, the hottest podcast in, at the moment, right? Everyone's listening to Jesus. What would you call Jesus' podcast? Well, Sermons on the Mount? That's a good one. I think maybe I prefer best sermons ever. <laughs> they get a lot of hits, right? <laughs> a lot, a lot of hits. Probably the, the correct name for the podcast would probably be Sermons by God. Now, now you're cooking. <laughs> well, a lot of people will be less tuning into that. So they're massive crowds, and you've got the best preaching ever. Better than what's going on here this morning. You've, you've got the, the, the podcast that's going on. And yet, it's clear that the crowds didn't hear Jesus, hardened hearts. And it's clear that Jesus is warning them to listen. He's warning his own disciples to listen. Even to sermons, by God. it's not the size of the crowd. It's not the amount of teaching. I consume a lot of podcasts. It doesn't necessarily help me. Even the content of the podcast. They had Jesus preaching. It's better than Josh Pretorius or even, I won't name names because some of you might probably listen to a lot of podcasts. 
But you just fill your own names. The better than them, it's Jesus. Guaranteed better than any preach. It was the condition and response that was the problem, not the content or the size of the crowd. Or the, it was the condition. Hear him. Have you really heard Jesus? The gospel appears as an upside down, wrong way round, very small and weak seed that is unimpressive that most people reject because they think it won't work or won't change anything. This is a tiny little seed of nothing. A king came from heaven and was tortured, and that changes everything. What a weak message. To find your life, you must lose it. Do you hear him? To find your life, you must lose it. Do you hear him? The way up is down. Do you hear him? The way to be truly rich is to become poor. Do you hear him? The way to really lead people is to become a humble servant. Have you heard him? Love your enemies and do good to those who harm you. Do you hear him? Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. Do you hear him? I am the light of the world. That's nice, Jesus. I have better ways to light up the world. I am the bread of life. That's nice, Jesus. I have other things that satisfy me. Come to me, all you who are weary. That's nice, Jesus. I'm okay to carry these burdens. I got them. I don't need to come to you for gospel life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. That's okay, Jesus. I got my own truth, my own way, my own life. Do you hear him? Do you really hear him? For those who would find their life must lose it. Take care how you hear, for the one who has, even more will be given, and the one who has not, even what he thinks he has, will be taken from him. As you surrender to his ways, more is given to you. The poorer you become, the richer you are. The more you lay down your life, the more life you have, the more life of God. As you learn to love, love abounds. As you learn to forgive, joy and life abounds. As you learn to be kind, peace abounds. This upside-down message really is the light of the world. Learning to do the gospel, which can only happen with the help of the Holy Spirit, grows in us a gospel culture. Those who don't respond, those who reject this light, lose even what they think they have. You think you're holding on to your life, you lose it. Do you hear him? The final section as we come to close, Jesus or Luke puts this story in. This story is actually at the beginning of all these parables in the other Gospels. 
I think Luke includes it here because it's so clear where Jesus says, those who hear this word and do it are my family. That's why Luke's put it here. But it does go back, it's addressed back to the crowds. This incident happens with the crowds, and it happens when Jesus' mother and brothers arrive. And what's going on? His mother and brothers arrive, and they come to him, and they say they could not reach him because of the crowd. There's a great crowd who had pressed in to hear Jesus. The crowds were coming from all around, from Galilee, and they were pressing into him. But the family had not pressed into Jesus. They had kind of been drifting away from him. The crowds are so intense that they can't even get to him. The crowds are desiring to hear him. They want to hear the words of Jesus. The family arrives outside and says, Come to me, Jesus. (laughs) Jesus, can you just pause what you're doing and come? Light of the world, just come here. I want to have a chat. The family has in some way drifted from Jesus. Be careful you don't become so familiar with Jesus that you're standing on the outside asking him to come and attend to you. The crowds were pressing into Jesus. Don't want to be unkind to Mary and to the brothers because actually at the crucifixion, Mary was standing there and James, we know, wrote the book of James. (laughs) So they certainly responded to the word of God. But at this point, it seemed they'd become so familiar with Jesus. Mary was a believer. She trusted God when the angel appeared to her. Let it be to me, as you've said. Now that's, you know, you're a virgin, you're going to have a baby. God, let it be to me, as you've said. Wow, what an incredible uh, woman of faith. But at this point, in fact, Mark's gospel shows us that just a few verses before this story, it says, that Jesus was preaching and the crowds were coming to him and the family got upset and they actually went to call Jesus and said, Jesus, you've gone crazy. That's the point that Mary had got to with the, with the believers saying, Jesus, I think you're a, little, you're a little bit too radical, a little bit too over the edge. They actually thought he'd gone crazy. <laughs> and then it says they come again to him in this situation. And Jesus' mother and brothers were so familiar with him that they had drifted towards the outside and they weren't, they weren't following and hanging on every, Jesus, on every one of Jesus' words. Perhaps you've been around Jesus, you've followed Jesus for so long that you've become familiar. And Jesus was told, your mother and your brothers are attending or standing outside desiring to see you. Family was a massively important part of the culture, probably more so than it is these days. They're desiring to see Jesus, but were they really hearing his message at that time? And Jesus gives a shocking answer in some ways culturally. He said, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. Think about this for a moment. It sometimes looks as a bit of a negative lie, but actually it's an incredible, incredible invitation. Think of the crowd before him. Who are, this is Jesus, this is the man of the big podcast. <laughs> This, he's the, and Jesus is saying, standing there saying, all of you can join my family. What an invitation. I am the light of the world. Come in to my family. It's an incredible invitation in the scripture. Be a part of Jesus' family. This is an invitation to adoption into God's family. It's actually mind-blowing. Anyone who comes to me who hears my words, can come into this family. 1 Peter 2 verse 9 says, 
but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. This is describing the people of God, the adopted people of God, those who believe. You are a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of the darkness and into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. What a beautiful invitation to become the people of God. This new community has a new culture. It's upside down, it's inside out. It goes down to get up. It serves to lead the way. And so Jesus says it like this, this new community, my family, are those who hear God's words and do it. Those who hear God's word and do it. Jesus adds the words there, do it. Jesus was the original Nike, right? <laughs> Just do it. I don't know if he patented that Nike in a lawsuit coming, but just do it, do it, hearing God's word and doing it. What's he describing? We get to do this. We get to participate in the new gospel life. We are welcomed into this family where the go and the gospel life is the best. We get, are people who get to demonstrate and live out love. We get to do that. We get to show and demonstrate forgiveness. This is the people of God. We get to put others first. We get to humble ourselves. All things which are completely countercultural to the world. We, as the people of God, have the blessing of being a part of. We live in the peace of God. We become a patient and a kind people and a gracious people. We have gentleness. We have mercy. Doing the gospel is great. <laughs> it is so good. This is the radical invitation that Jesus is opening up. Come and do things in the kingdom way. Come and participate in the new way. Do you hear him? And you can do it. You can Nike. As Martin Luther said, we are saved by faith, not by works. We are saved by faith alone, but not by faith that remains alone. We get to participate in all these beautiful kingdom cultures. It's offensive at first. It's hard to hear at first. Hard to even believe at first. Will this really work? If I die, will I really live? <laughs> Trusting in God. It is challenging. This new community with kingdom cultures, through this kingdom culture, this community, the light of God will come through to the world again. Philippians 2 verse 14 says, Do all things without grumbling or disputing. Wow, there's a picture of gospel culture. <laughs> Is that possible? Could a community look like that? 
all things with no grumbling, without disputing? What a beautiful gospel culture. That you may be blameless and innocent, you are as children of God, the community, the adopted people of God, without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted or dark generation among whom you shine as light into the world. This new community reflects who Jesus is. At the end of Luke chapter 10, Jesus tells another parable about the Good Samaritan. And you may know it. Someone is broken and needing a help, and people pass him by, pass him by. Eventually, the Samaritan helps him. And at the end of that parable, Jesus asks a question. He says, which of these three people do you think proved out to be the neighbor of the one who was lying in the ditch? And the lawyer answers, I suppose, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus says to him, yes, you're right. Go and do likewise. Go and do. There's that little word again, do. <laughs> Scary little word. Jesus says, come and join in with this culture. Join, change, let's hear this word and believe on the Lord Jesus. Accept this light. Live in the light of the gospel. Come and join and participate in God's new community. What an incredible invitation to join God's new people. We cannot do the gospel apart from our adoption into God's family by the Father and apart from the work of Jesus and the help of the Holy Spirit. We can never do the gospel without that. So don't, don't try to do it on your own. Don't try this at home without the Holy Spirit without your adoption. But if you have been adopted, what an incredible, incredible position we are in, that we have the light of the world. Do you hear? Have you become familiar? Have you maybe tried to put that lamp under the, under the bed of your good ideas, under the bed of your, I've got a better plan, Jesus. I'll fight I'll yell, I'll be ungracious, <laughs> I'll do it my way, I'll do it through politics, I'll do it through whatever. There's only one light, and that is the person of Jesus who forms in us a new culture, a gospel. Come to him. I'm going to come to communion now I'd love us to do it in this way, that we ask God to help us move from information to transformation. God, we've often heard, we hear your word, but God, would it transform us this morning? Would, would you help us to walk in this glorious light that you've given us, this gospel we're invited into, that we might be different, that we might reflect your son as this community and Peter and Philippians does. They reflect the light of the world.